Well, as Pastor Wayne has already welcomed you, um, my name is Brian. Uh, I have the privilege to be uh, one of the pastors on staff with Wayne and uh, the opportunity to bring you God's word here today. And uh, as we dive in, just to uh, show right out of the gate that I am not here uh, speaking to you as any sort of expert, but just as uh, one among you uh, traveling in these same subjects, uh, a few weeks ago in our household, you could say I was slow to think and then quick to speak. Um, in that uh, the context is that in our home, in our house, uh, where you see anything that might be considered clean, uh, my wife Jessica gets all the credit. Uh, that, and particularly when it comes to our kitchen, as our routine, our rhythm of life is I like to destroy it, and she likes to come back behind me and clean it up. Uh, because for some reason, I just, I have not yet mastered the skill of being able to even just get something to drink out of the refrigerator without somehow getting like 10 other things out and leaving, uh, so I'm told, like six or seven drawers and cabinets open. Did any other guys struggle with closing them behind? Okay, all right. I don't know why this is. I'm just not that good. So anyway, so we were in this kitchen, uh, my wife and I here, um, about a week or two ago. And uh, I was, again, slow to think, quick to speak, in that in her otherwise perfect kitchen, I noticed that there was a hat, uh, just, it's like this fedora for like the pools and stuff like that, um, that was sitting on the red dish. Okay, and the red dish is a space that, yeah, this is not the actual event, um, but this red dish is typically just where only our keys go, nothing else. To which, seeing this there, uh, I said to her, again, to um, the keeper of the kitchen, uh, can I help you find a place for that? <laughs> now, I was trying to help, <laughs> as we always do thinking, okay, this is a new item in our world and, you know, kind of the, you know, everything has a place and a place for everything put in its place. And so, uh, but still wrong message uh, from the destroyer of the kitchen to send to the keeper of the kitchen. And um, so, yes, while this is a, a dramatized reenactment, what you are about to see and experience following this slide are actual images from real events that took place in our home. Uh, so buckle up. Uh, so an hour... After this uh, situation, I'm at work and I receive this text. That is a, that is a hat of my own hanging three feet from the fedora on uh, the closet door. Fair enough. Fair enough. But then I got this text. Those are my slippers. <laughs> then there was this text. <laughs> and then this text. I'm, I'm getting old and I need a lumbar pillow, apparently. That's what that is. <laughs> Left that out. Uh, and then this text. Okay. Okay. What you're experiencing there is uh, the yuck face emoticon, followed by what I chose for your health, and, um, a blurred out picture of my underwear. <laughs> I spared you all that this morning. <laughs> then this text. Oh, hey, missed one. 
That's right. We can't keep up. So yeah, before that were some clothes on the floor, uh, and then uh, I came back from a trip and didn't unpack. Okay, yeah. Okay, they're folded at least. They're folded. All right, next slide. Yeah, didn't unpack from a trip. My bad. Um, and then this one. That cabinet epidemic again. Uh, and then this text. Uh, and just in case she forgot something, one last text. And so, what you could identify the other day as a, I'll call it a flirty fight, uh, honestly, <laughs> 10 years ago in our marriage would have been a five-day fiasco. Uh, we would have been undone because uh, as literally, you could say, God has given us many growth opportunities that, you know, two oldest dominant personality children learning to become one has offered those share of opportunities. But... Here's what I believe, uh, and I've recognized for us in our marriage, for you in your life, uh, whether married or not, that I believe that by God's grace, that your relationship with God, out of the overflow of that relationship and a reflection of that, he wants to extremely make over the way that you approach your life's relationships, whether married, in your family, uh, or even your singleness, if that's your case today. Uh, as last week, we began this series entitled Extreme Home Makeover, uh, with this understanding that the way that God wants us to approach our life's relationships, whether single, married, or hope to be married, um, God's ways are extremely different than that of the way of the world, as we've already begun to unearth a little bit here with Pastor Wayne uh, a few moments ago. Uh, because what you could say best is, is it this way, is that really there is a extreme difference, if you will, between good advice which you can find anywhere, and good news. There's an extreme difference between good advice and good news, and that the good news is that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And again, out of the overflow of that, not just give us, informs how to live out life's relationships, but literally by the power of the Holy Spirit empowers the way we can approach those relationships. And uh, we said this last week, again, um, if uh, you were with us, again, married or single, that you can, number one, seek first Jesus and his kingdom, and then all the other details of your life's relationships will be added to you as well, as he said in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that we want to pursue purity, and that if uh, you, again, are married, uh, that we want to do whatever we can to never give up, to, we said, burn the ships. And if you want to know about what that's all about, you can uh, check out the uh, message online at firstdecatur.org slash sermons or on the First Christian Church app to get caught up. Um, and then also, if you were, you know, out partying on the 4th of July and weren't with us last week, uh, we want to assure you that if you're single today, uh, that this series and what we're going to look at is just as much for you. Because what's cool about Scripture is that it is always revealing to us, again, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and how that should impact all of our life's relationships. And then kind of down the train it says, oh, by the way, this is how it applies to a husband and a wife in marriage too. So there are gonna be transferable principles for all of life's relationships as we look at God's word. And that's particularly the case here uh, today. It's, we're gonna be looking at Ephesians chapter five, where 
the Apostle Paul is writing to a church about what the church should look like, how that relationship's within the context uh, of other believers that reflect uh, the relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. So let's look at that together. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 21, and I invite you to follow along with me. It says this, again, speaking to the church, it says, submit to one another. In the church, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then speaks to, out of the overflow of that, um, our family relationship. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Wildly popular set of verses in our culture right there. <laughs> uh, but let me just say, before you check out, ladies, that husbands, uh, we are called to uh, as equally as a high a standard here as we're going to see uh, in the verses that follow. So pick it up, verse 25. Uh, so husbands, you are, uh, we are to love your wives. And how does that look? Just as Christ loved the church. And he did so by giving himself up for her sacrifice. So too, make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself because you become one. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The Apostle Paul says, this is a profound mystery, but that I am talking about Christ and the church. So again, the bigger context of relationships. Then verse 33, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right. Well, as is obvious, there is a lot of context that could be unpacked and understood within uh, this passage that um, we could dive into today. And, and frankly, we did um, last year in a series called Mr. and Mrs. Better Half, where we looked at marriage and took a real deep dive into some of the, uh, our, our favorite verses and actually some of the tough topics that come out of uh, those tough questions about how all that works. Uh, and again, you can find those still online or uh, on the app. Uh, but the, the idea that we want to look at today is this, this header verse, verse 21, uh, that really is the verse at which all the other verses hang on in this passage. And that is simply this, that in everything, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, in other words, that um, we're being called to submit or to serve would be a good word there, to serve one another to love and to respect, to serve in that way, to serve and to love and to respect one another out of, based on, the way in which we understand our relationship to Christ, our reverence for Jesus Christ. And so what this is saying is that each one of us, as an individual, whether married or unmarried, we can only control and make choices and control the only person on the planet that we can actually control, ourselves. You can only control yourself. You can only choose to serve, choose to submit, choose to love, choose to respect. Um, you can't control the other spouse in that. And I would say, 
and frankly, uh, Peter actually talks about this, that the way in which even if the other spouse isn't in on this, maybe they're not even here today, or they don't, you feel like they're not doing that, that you can only control what you can do, and that is to choose to serve, to love, and to respect, even when, and maybe even especially when the other spouse isn't participating, because there is a way, Peter says, in which when you do that, you can win your spouse over, not with words, he says, but with your behavior, by the way that you choose to love and respect and to serve. And so obviously it's best when both couple, uh, both spouses or both people in the relationship are doing this. Uh, but again, um, you can only control you. And so your application then, uh, if say your spouse is even here with you, is not to go run home and say, you need to go online that website there and check out that sermon. Uh, but instead, for you to only do what you can do and as to begin to live these things and see the impact uh, as God's words promise will we'll have on our relationship, okay? So with that, I do wanna give you um, as an individual for your, you and your spouse, as whatever is applicable and who's here, uh, three principles that, uh, that rise out of this passage as to how you can serve, love, and respect your spouse in the way in which you do life together, okay? And so the first way that we can do this, that we can love and respect one another, is actually by the way in which we fight, that you can love and respect and serve the other by, we could say, fighting fair, by learning to fight fair. Dr. John Gottman, a marriage researcher and specialist, he published a fascinating study about how couples fight. And it was drawn from data that he compiled over 16 years of observing and studying just couples fighting. And his learnings, interestingly, led him to be able to observe a couple arguing for only five minutes, and to be able to then determine with 91% accuracy whether that couple uh, would stay together or divorce. Now, what's interesting for us here today about that is that tells us, at least minimally, that the way that we approach conflict, that we argue, the way in which we fight obviously has a huge impact on the health and the success of our marriages. And so scripture actually recognizes these challenges, uh, that when we engage conflict, it can be a, a major stress on a relationship, on a marriage. Uh, and so for men, it talks about for us that we experience this, Proverbs 27, 15, it says, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Anyone feel nagged to death by that storm last night? It's in the Bible, ladies. You can't be mad at me uh, on this. But women, in case you feel left out this morning, uh, you'll appreciate this next verse, which says, it is better to suffer severe hemorrhoids than to live with a husband who is a jerk. I see the ladies like, where's my highlighter? I got Can I get that on a mug to drink coffee in the morning? That's actually uh, from First Jessica 3.16. So for the record, it's not actually in the Bible, but it could be. Because guys, we know that when we choose to you know, not love our wives with gentleness uh, and, and care, and, and we choose not to swallow our own pride and, and not give ourselves up, like you know, Paul says that Christ gave himself up and sacrificed for the church, then when we go into you know, what I call jerk mode, well, nobody wins. 
And so the good news is, uh, again, when it comes to marriage or any other relationship, Scripture goes beyond this and say, okay, here are some ways in which uh, you could not be a drip or a jerk, okay? So James 1.19 speaks to this. Uh, James says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay, it's a, it's a passage that even those who don't read the Bible know. You should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We know it, but we often struggle to actually do it. In fact, we often do the exact opposite of this verse in that we are uh, in the midst of conflict, quick not to listen, uh, gearing up to be quick to speak what we want to say. And of course, that leads everybody to be quick then to anger. Well, Scripture goes on to give us some counsel in this regard. In Proverbs 21, 23, says... Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Okay, that is in the Bible and that is a great verse. Uh, Not a great verse to quote at your spouse in the middle of a fight, (laughs) but a great verse to live by in the middle of a fight. Uh, Keep your mouth shut and you stay out of trouble. Um, And uh, again, you could say, I guess, two questions you could ask yourself in the middle of a fight uh, in order to best accomplish this. First, should what you're about to say, should it be said? Should it be said at all? And if it does need to be said, ask the question, should it be said now? Very wise words from Proverbs. Should this even be said? And should it be said now? Uh, And again, just to reflect that I am no expert in this, but a fellow sojourner right there with you. I did not intend um, to come up with a sermon illustration on Friday night this week, but just so happened I did. Uh, So this is not last night, but the night before. We're at home, and uh, Jessica and I are, you know, tag teaming to put the kids to bed. And I've got responsibility for the three-year-old, and I am putting some jammies on her, to which Jessica says, Oh, those jammy pants are the ones that hurt her belly. Uh, To which I say well, then why are these jammies even in the drawer? (laughs) Should it be said? (laughs) And if so, should it be said now? Talty, keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. (laughs) And then as you do, as I do, as we do, from there, then seek to use that mouth shut time to understand. Seek to use that time to listen and to understand before seeking to be understood. Proverbs 18.2 speaks to this. says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight only in airing their own opinions. And see, this, we become fools so often in the context of fights because what happens is we get so bent out of shape on making sure that our point is heard and understood and escalates to the point that we never seek to understand the other person's point of view. And so a great set of questions you can ask regarding this verse is this. When it comes to uh, conflict with another person, again, spouse or any other context, ask yourself this. Number one, am I trying to prove I am right or... Am I trying to improve this relationship? Very powerful questions. That as you open your mouth in what you are about to say, are you set out to prove that you are right, to make your point, or are you actually trying to, by what you say, do something to improve this relationship? Okay? 
And then from there, one more verse that I've learned is very important when it comes to fights in your household. Uh, lastly, thou shall not quote the preacher during a fight. First Brian 3.16. Leave us preachers out of it. We weren't there when it started. You got yourself into this mess. Uh, you have to get yourself out of it. Uh, plus, I was probably at home, you know, organizing fedoras and pajama pants. So, uh, so everybody fights, uh, but fight fair. And again, the big idea, uh, when you are engaging in conflict, are you trying to prove you're right or are you actually trying to improve this relationship? And that'll change the way in which you approach it. All right, so fight fair. Secondly... Uh, fight also for your marriage. Fight for your marriage, uh, preferably when not fighting. Uh, so a couple of practical ways to do this. Uh, one actually came across this past week that Jessica and I field tested here so we weren't just throwing stuff at you that we hadn't actually done. And uh, there was this understanding of uh, getting some time together where you sit down and you ask this question and answer this question. What are three things your spouse does to bless you? What are three things that your spouse does that bless you? And, and you know, and don't say, man, I can't think of anything the old bag does to bless me. You know. <laughs> no, find three things that, uh, are, that are good things that, that you know you are, they are getting right, you could say, that, that are helpful and a blessing too. Because what this does in the midst of the conversation is it creates positive momentum in the conversation uh, as to what you're actually helpful in doing. And so uh, an example of this I learned uh, from Jessica, actually not this most recent one, but she had told me in another setting that uh, when she is out, you know, for an evening, whatever, uh, maybe doing some grocery shopping or something, and then comes home, uh, rather than wait till she gets home to, you know, get off the couch and say, okay, let's get, you know, the kids in the bath and brush their teeth and in bed and jammies and all that stuff, uh, that, that if, when she's gone, if I actually take the initiative to bathe the kids, brush your teeth, get the jammies on, and then get them in bed, and then, you know, the jammies without the belly hurting thing, of course, and, and and then get them in bed, and then all she does is come home, and it's all done, and she just comes and gives hugs and kisses, and that's a wrap for the night. She's told me that that is one of the most romantic things that I could do, to which my thought is, well, scrub-a-dub-dub, four kids in the tub, here we go. Let's get those kids off to bed, and away we go. I totally lost my place. <laughs> All right, so three things that bless you from your spouse. And then from there, ask the question then, what then is one thing I could do to bless you more? To, that could be more of a blessing. And again, this is then based on you have positive momentum in the context of the conversation rather than bringing up these kind of issues in when they usually come up, which is in the middle of a fight. Uh, for example, they, they escalate in these things. You know, your husband leaves uh, the cap off the toothpaste and that flows into somehow he's just a deadbeat husband that never does anything around here. Um, Jessica and I call that turning anthills into mountains. We even call that out. It's like, hey, 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 are we, are we turning an anthill into a mountain here by talking about something bigger in our marriage in the middle of a fight? And so save those big conversations uh, for times of peace rather than at war when you are able, okay? So fight for your marriage when you're not fighting. And a couple of ways in which you can make these check-in kind of things happen um, would be, I would say, a weekly or regular date night. Uh, this is huge. 
this has been huge for us, uh, especially if you, again, if you have kids in the home, because it's that little oasis where you know you're going to be able to check in with each other uh, each and every week. Uh, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Uh, you could even find another couple that you could kind of trade off uh, nights with and just, you know, go to Taco Bell, you know, sit. The point is just get some knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye time where you all are checking in together, Okay. And then from there, uh, another kind of time that you want to incorporate, uh, and this is particularly, not always the case, but uh, more so for guys, is uh, side-by-side time, uh, where you might not necessarily be talking the whole time uh, at this time together, but you're side-by-side at a movie or a concert or a ball game or, or maybe even just going for a walk. I love the way that uh, one man put it. He said, when I'm walking by my wife's side, I always like to hold her hand. I do this for two reasons. The first is because I love her. And the second is because if I let her go, she goes shopping. (laughs) And so within the context uh, of a healthy marriage where you're fighting for your marriage, you're going to have eye-to-eye time, side-by-side time. And then from there, uh, what that leads to then, and recognizing we have younger ones in the room, uh, we'll call it this, kind of some code language, that will then lead to a healthy marriage what we'll call belly button to belly button time. That too is also in the Bible. So uh, don't blame me for bringing that up in church. Song of Solomon, uh, chapter seven, says it this way, and I'll, I'll keep this PG for us. It says, I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. Translation, Marvin Gaye is on the stereo. Verse 11. Come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Uh, Translation, hey, why don't the two of us head to that little bed and breakfast that we've been talking about getting away to uh, for the weekend. Verse 12, let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. Translation, spring is in the air and the birds and the bees are out to play. There... I will give you my love. Translation. (laughs) Anyone listening to the audio that is left out. Proverbs 5.18, the intent of marriage. Let your wife You can say the same for your husband. Let your wife or your husband, let them be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice or enjoy uh, the wife or the husband of your youth. And that marriage was designed to be a blessing. It's meant to be enjoyed, but that doesn't come for free. We have to work at it. We have to fight for our marriage by being intentional in this. Okay? So we want to fight fair. We want to fight for our marriage. And then lastly, Within the context of our marriage, we also want to fight for forever. We want to fight for forever. Uh, Francis Chan, in his book, You and Me Forever, uh, again, one of several resources that we have, again, to take what we're talking about on the weekends uh, further uh, in Mosaic Cafe for you, um, is that really one of the greatest things, what he says is one of the greatest things you can actually do for your marriage is ironically not to focus all your attention and your energy on your marriage. Uh, But instead, focus your energy not just on earthly treasure, as good as that might be in the context of a healthy and good marriage, but ask the question, how are you turning outward? 
How are you turning your marriage outward toward the mission of what Jesus calls us to, you could say, eternal treasure? To eternal treasure in that uh, we are living on mission, living for God's greater purpose together. Uh, And to understand how to best do this, I would just refer you back to our our most recent series uh, that Pastor BJ and Pastor Wayne led us through called As You Go, uh, where we ask the question, how are you living out Jesus' great commission in Matthew 28, 19, uh, which we looked at says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And that word go there in the original Greek is a participle, we said, which means it's not just a one-time action, but a continuous action or as you go. That as you go about the living of your life, as Pastor Wayne says all the time, how are you being the tangible touch of Jesus Christ? Uh, Whether at work or in your neighborhood or at your kids' activities, at the gym, or simply when hanging out with other families or couples. And so hopefully you've got still your little two for 10 magnet. It's up on the fridge. And when you come across those two names, you can just throw out a quick breath prayer. God, I I pray for these two people and for the opportunities to invest in them and to invite them into a journey of faith, to have conversations about faith and God and church as the Holy Spirit would allow you to have those conversations. Uh, In fact, this past week, I was so encouraged uh, by a couple uh, who pulled this off, literally. Uh, A week ago last Saturday, they were hanging out with some neighbors on the 4th, uh, just in in their driveway and some folding chairs. And this family from our church invited this other uh, couple and family to our last fun night in the park, to which the response of this, uh, particularly the father, was, um, in all fairness, you need to know I'm basically an atheist. Uh, to which the couple from our church was able to ensure, hey, fun night in the park, I promise, there's no preaching, Uh, it'll it'll be a good time just to hang out. And uh, what followed was another two hours of conversation in those folding chairs that started naturally coming around to things about faith and doubt and questions about the Christian faith that um, led to him being able to share about uh, our, the, the family from our church about our upcoming series in September called Room for Doubt and to invite him to this. And if you're unfamiliar with what our Room for Doubt series is, it's um, a series that is designed to make this place, both through the sermon series and the small groups that are going to come out of it, the safest place to express tough questions, tough doubts about the Christian faith that non-Christians, uh, and frankly, let's be honest, us as Christians, have when it comes to the Christian faith. Things like Pastor Wayne was bringing up again. Things like uh, the authority of Scripture. Can the Bible really be trusted? And uh, is Jesus Christ really the only way to salvation? And what about other religions in the world? And if God, if he's so good, why would such a good God allow tragedy and suffering? And so really excited to get that. And in fact, um, it came out of our, uh, our Empower Vision campaign. Uh, we have over 20 other churches in the community doing the exact same series with us. So that, again, it's not just about first Christian, but how are we together as a church in our community making an impact on our community? Um, anyway, sorry, a little bit of sidebar there. But anyway, so this uh, family from our church shared that series with them to which this guy who, again, just two hours earlier said, hey, sorry, basically I'm an atheist, said in response to the Room for Doubt series, quote, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. Um, because it is pretty cool. What God will do when you pray, again, we plant and water seed. It's only God that changes hearts, it says in Scripture. But take those advantages to invest in and to invite people into a journey of faith. 
And so that's the encouragement. That is what's rising out of this passage to serve and to submit to one another, that in your marriage, you wanna fight fair by making sure you're fighting to improve the relationship, not prove you are right. Um, or excuse me, fight fair. Then you wanna fight for your marriage when not fighting with check-ins and date nights, et cetera, et cetera. And then of course, fight for forever, that you would live on mission together for a mission greater than just your own marriage, but for what God's calling you all to do in your world around you. And so with that, that's a lot. And um, I wanna pray for us in this because again, that's what we recognize. It is God's help, God's leadership, God's empowerment that makes all this possible. So let's pray together for these things. Father, we recognize that we, um, when we talk about this stuff, uh, it's talking about stuff that matters in our marriages and our relationships and ironically can actually cause fights rather than make things better out of the gate. Um, we recognize there's spiritual warfare in our families, in our marriages, in our world, in our community, and in our pews. And so we pray against that, God, that as we tackle these tough things that this stirs up within our life's relationships, that your grace would be in these conversations, that our marriages uh, would be better uh, as a result, that our relationships across the board would be better as a result, not in our own power, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.